Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to season two of the More Jody podcast. I'm the girl who says what everyone is thinking, unapologetically myself all the time. Trust me, I was born this way and it really can't be stopped. This season, I'm sharing powerful conversations and we go deep right off the hop. Sometimes I'm even thrown off by it. Nothing is off the table. The goal of this podcast is that you will laugh, cry, and realize that you're not alone in your struggles, your challenges, your hopes, your dreams. But I have a warning for you. These conversations will make you want to do more, dig deeper, get honest and curious with yourself, and live braver, bolder lives. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Hey, 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 welcome back. Episode two of the More Jody podcast, season two. Today I have Jana, Jana Hawkinos on the podcast, all the way from Jersey. So I got introduced to Jana earlier in 2021 because I am passionate about taking care of the planet and all the little ways that I can impact it all the time. So this is so much more than an episode about helping the environment, but you can't listen to Jana and not become more passionate about your impact in this world in so many, so many ways. Jana is a mom, a yoga teacher. She's an avid environmentalist, obviously. But then I found out that she's actually a book editor and she helps people plan how to write a book. And she's also a published author and my new best friend. So it is so hard. I've recorded this intro like so many times. So go to Instagram, check out Jana Cabana, check out the Imperfect Green Guide. That will help you see why I love her. Um, she, this conversation, my favorite part about it is that Jana shows you that you should pursue your passions because you're meant to bless the world with those, those things that you're passionate about. We're all passionate about different things and that's good. She says to have grace for your imperfections. Don't try to be perfect. And honestly, I couldn't agree with that more. Like if you knew you'd never reach perfection, why keep striving for perfection? Just do your best. And then last but not least, the stuff that you're meant to do comes back to you. So whenever you feel that something's really aligning with you in your spirit, stop getting in your own way and press forward. So that is such an important theme from this episode. This is the longest intro I've ever recorded, but I love this girl and I'm going to have her back later in season two for an episode called, So You Want to Write a Book? Because I have lots of different people in my life who've been like, I really would love to write a book, but where do I even start? So enjoy this episode with my new friend from New Jersey. Jana Hawkinos. Well, now I'm going to say that wrong. I thought you'd have a New Jersey accent too. I was like, I'm from Western PA. Oh, that's why. And I lived in New York city for 10 years. And when I was living in New York city, I was like, Oh, Jersey. (laughs) No way. And then all of my friends basically married someone either from New Jersey or Connecticut, not anyone from New York city or the state of New York. I think it's so cool though. I was like, I'm talking to a girl from New Jersey today. This, well, you're not from there, but no, I think of you all the time. I said, I love how people in Instagram can just get into our heads. And I had never heard of um, light pollution. And I live in like the darkest place. I swear. I want to visit you. I am sorry for interrupting. Yes. I have an Airbnb. You should come visit me. It's wonderful. Yeah. Do you take toddlers? 
Yes, we do. Actually, we even have we even have stuffies that we put out when we know toddlers are coming. We're very cute. But this morning I was getting up so early to talk to my new friend, Jana. And um, actually, that's funny. I actually get up that time every day, but normally I don't see people have a conversation. Yes, I don't. I don't engage anyone else in a conversation, which as we were just talking about, we love so much the early morning. Right. Because you're 9 a.m. I'm 6 a.m. and you've already, but you're in the throes of your day. You've already had things happen and life's already yes. happening to you at 9 a.m., right? But not at six. No, six is like the most beautiful, like welcoming blank slate, which, yes. you know, we were chatting about this a little bit earlier before we hit record, but it's something that like 20 something me would have just like laughed at and been yeah. like, yeah, right. You stay up till 2 a.m this is not your thing. And then some combination of having to teach really early morning yoga classes when I started my yoga career in New York city, and then just learning to embrace it. And for me, it's still the first five minutes. I'm still just kind of like a little bit of a mental fight. Like you could just stay in totally why, but once you can get past the first five minutes, it's magical. And that's what every morning I'm just like, meh, in five minutes, this is going to be, this is literally the golden hour. Like even in a yoga practice, like I teach a lot of breath work and, um, that is the hour for breath work. Like before the sun is up, before the day has started. And I'm just this past year, like genuinely embracing that. And it's, it's awesome. So the fact that you got to do like a podcast at like the golden hour. Right. Nice. It's 9 a.m. here. This coffee has been reheated three times. <laughs> With someone else who's excited about the world. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my family was not excited about me doing this at this hour. My husband, as you can yeah. see, I podcast from my bedroom. My husband yeah. is in the guest room. I was like, I kept trying to think of somewhere else. And then I said, do you think, because no one's up but me, but I was like, do you think I could keep my voice quiet enough to be at the kitchen table? He's like, burst out laughing. He's like, I could literally hear you yesterday podcasting from like across the house. He's like, there's no way. And I was like, so I'm trying to use my inside voice, but no, I definitely think you and I are both, I'll say this because I think so many people think it's not true, but people who went from, from, went from being night owls and became, you know, early risers. And like I said to you, I, until you articulated that it was yoga, I always thought it was that kids did that to me. But when my kids would wake me up, I like hated my life. Like I love them, but I hated my life. Um, I felt robbed. You know, when someone wakes you up, you're like, I've been robbed. It's so true. It's so true. Oh my God. That makes me think of like my dad waking me up every day before school. And I hated it with the fire of a thousand suns. And he knew I hated getting up. He would put snowballs in my bed. He put the dog in my bed. But you just described it. I felt so robbed. So robbed. Had to get this child up for school. It was like, yeah. And he was the morning person. So for him, he was like, I've been doing whatever for like an hour now. Like, I don't care that you're grouchy. Get up. Oh, I always say we're hatching. It's where you're like hatching. Just give me time to get out of my egg. Like, it's like, I need to hatch. But I do, I think that teaching boot camp changed that for me. Mm-hmm. And I, but I did want to die. Mm-hmm. I did want to die, but then I started, we did it outside um, in Alberta, which is <gasps> sort of like North Dakota. Like if you want to picture somewhere really cold and, you know, like not awesome in the morning, but watching the sun come up, <sighs> even if I was getting eaten by mosquitoes, watching the sun come up and it was so tranquil. And then it became something I was like addicted to. Like, I just wanted more of it. Right. Like nature can be addicting if you allow it. Oh, 
the best addiction. And I'm definitely, definitely addicted. We have so much in common and I'm so excited about you. One of my favorite things about this podcast is literally like making friends across the world. Right. I know. And I was like listening to some of your episodes because when you'd invited to be me to be on it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. And I have a six hour drive to myself, which like hasn't, I mean, that's a rarity. And I had all these like, oh, I'm going to listen to this indie album and this nineties playlist my friend made for all of us. And I was like, nope, nope. I'm just listening to Jody's podcast. Uh... And, and I felt like all the people that you talked to, I was like, oh, now I have new friends. So mm-hmm. that was really cool. Well, and it's, people are always like, I don't get how you find these people. I'm like, I don't either. But I started asking people that I interview that I just genuinely enjoyed, hey, do you have someone you think I would be interested in? And then I literally just go and I do a Instagram creep for like a really serious long time. I will go, I usually try to go back to the person's very first post. I go all the way to the bottom and I that love it. It's like reporter style. The journalist <laughs> in me is like, ooh, she loves her job. Oh, I like love. I wish this was my job. This is not my job, but I love to dig, 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 dig. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then find the the symbolism and find that stuff in that first post. You know, and then I'm always sad when lots of them, it's nothing. My first post was dinosaurs drinking beer. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. I saw that. And I was so proud of that post. Like I was like, this is what Instagram is for weird stuff that you can filter in a New York city bar. Oh my gosh. But I love it. Yeah. I definitely got your name from Eva Lynn Douglas. That's who gave me your name. Thanks Eva. Shout out to Eva. Um, and I, yeah, when I went through your, your stuff, um, what I realized really quickly, I love the title, the imperfect green guide, because, even I planted my bedding plants this weekend and I was mad because when I'd gone to the store, everything's COVID and annoying and I was feeling angsty and I was frustrated and I didn't follow, like I didn't make a list of the bedding plants I wanted and I became an over consumer, which we're going to talk about today. Um, but that leads to frustration and how people, people would often think, oh, if, what if you had more bedding plants than less? Like, this is a dumb example, but it literally, you can start to see the example everywhere. Um, I, I hadn't planned it. So I'd have been a lot happier if I bought less and was strategic about what I bought, but then I was discombobulated. Um, but in the end, my, my pots look perfectly imperfect. And I, I love that. And so that's something that you live out and you encourage all of us. So I'm hoping that I'm not hoping, I know people will be inspired by the little bits that make a difference every day, every decision we can make. And then even yesterday, Oh, I was spending some time with my new friend, Jana. And I was like, Jana's like, you know what? Do you need a day off from trying to better the planet? Like just have a few, have a few hours. Don't think about things. Cause sometimes like I look, there's a lot of masks on the ground and I am right surrounded by the Pacific ocean. And I am so angry. That was the reason I was told to interview you because I said to someone, I'm trying to always put myself in someone else's shoes. And when I said, when people see me without a mask, this was like it before it became like mandatory to wear one. I said, when people see me one without, and they feel like angry, cause I'm not really an angry person. I said that same anger is what I see when I see it on the ground, you know? And so, Jan- so that's where Eva was like, you have to talk to Jana. She'd be so fired up about this topic. So I, that's so interesting because that, just that mask, the, the mask trash, right? Hashtag mask trash. Hard to say. 
easier to hashtag. I was like, um, I've never even heard that Matt mask trash. trash. Oh, there you go. Um, there's probably like six hashtags for it. Um, that is so interesting because that conversation, I was so fired up about it. And I was talking to um, one of the teachers who I now have this collective um, yoga studio with story for another day. Um, and I was livid. I was like, I can't believe this. Like, why do we even have disposable masks? Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. It's so easy. And um, it was a great conversation because she was very much, I think I had posted something and that's what inspired our conversation. And she had said to me, you know, she's totally all, all on board about everything that I feel about the masks, but to also have me understand that not everyone has the privilege of going out and buying a cloth mask or the access right. to do it. And I was like, oh shit. Oh, sorry. Maybe you need to edit that. Um, (laughs) and it put me in such a place of, of like really, truly meeting everyone where they are in this world of, of trying to be more environmentally conscious. And it was, I won't say the first time that I examined how this, how this affects everyone, how being an environmentalist can be in everyone's lives and the privilege some of us have to do it. And it was the first time that it really hit me that it wasn't about telling everyone, don't you dare buy a disposable mask and litter it. It was about, if you have the means, here's how we do masks right. If you have the means, you're maybe going to pick up mask trash on the beach. But it shifted my whole thinking about what it meant to be green and what it meant like what that access point was for a certain number of people. And that's when I kind of, in the workings of my brain decided that, you know, this is going to be a guide for people like myself. It's not something that I'm going to push on everyone because I truly can't know everyone's situation. And if they're able to go buy this fabric mask at their local boutique, um, and then I also got amped up about companies that if you buy a mask from them, then they'll, they'll donate like five fabric masks to, you know, some organization that makes sure they get to people. But yeah, it's those little things yeah. that you're just like, oh, why are people throwing away masks? And then, yeah, it's, it's so much of it is about perspective. I love that. And I love how it takes away the judgment of others. Cause that's just exhausting. And none of us it's, need that in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not made to be judges. And I think, um, I, and I don't like feeling angry. It doesn't do my body any good. Right. And so, um, but I've, I've laughed so many times about, you know, how we're all supposed to be like super germaphobes right now. And here I am picking up dirty masks cause I can't handle it. And I'm like, the other day I was like, you provide, like, I want everyone to give you a follow who listens to this, even just because you, you, you are so like stunningly creative. You you also say, you also say words. I don't know. I'm always like, well, I got to Google that word. I don't know what she just said. That's the book editor. Cause you're many things. You are a yoga teacher. You are a mother. You are, and he is delicious. Your little guy. (laughs) I, when I said that the other day, I hope it's like, I hope she gets what I'm saying. No, no, I get it. I totally get it. So cute. So, so, so cute. Um, and so you are so articulate when you, in everything you say, which I love. Um, but I think too, like you make, you make it easy, you make it simple. And I know that 
I love to do cooking, little cooking videos. And I made it one of my last cooking videos. I, I hold up, like I, I saved the Costco pickle jars and I let them air out for a while. So they're not as pickly. And then I put coconut in them or flour. And I like it cause it's not plastic. Right. But it, I said, said to someone or not to someone, I said in the video, I said, I just wish I could take this jar into the store back. Like they did in like, Oh, I'm trying to think of um, little house in the prairie. Did you guys have that? Is that an American yes. show? Yeah, no, 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 we had it. <laughs> um, but I was going to say Little House on the Prairie where they would just fill it with flour. I just want to mm-hmm. take it in somewhere and have them fill it. And yesterday I was watching something of yours where you were talking about um, like cyber stalking is a real problem. It's a, it's a crime that has impacted you. You just don't know yet. Um, but yesterday I was watching something where you said you were talking about, you know, all the packaging. And if you stay, like, I always think if you stay on the edge of the grocery store, you're going to be the healthiest, right? Because, and that's usually the stuff with the least packaging, the least, you know, whatever, and, you know, buying your fruits and vegetables. And I don't even put them in a bag now. I just let, and now that the conveyor belts are all sanitized, I just let everything roll. Like, I'm sure they're annoyed. Like, can you pile your apples together? What's happening here? But I like all those little things. I actually just wrote down, it gives me a high. Like I literally get, and I think the more people embrace it, I think everyone needs to. Um, but I think recognizing it's like getting air miles. Like there's certain things that I'm like the mom high that I get is like ridiculous. And that's how I feel when I find a solution, you know, like you said yesterday, go to your cobbler, which is like, I feel like people are like, what's a cobbler? Do they make cobble? No, they, they fix shoes. And I do that definitely with my high heels because they're expensive. I buy good high heels and then I always get them redone on the bottoms. And you know how, like sometimes on your high heels, you'll step into something. So it kind of like, Oh yeah. Oh, like pull that down. I know they'll pull that down and and they like, they'll patch it. it. Like they do stuff you aren't aware of. And so um, high heels on a boardwalk, they're doomed. They are like like weddings. I'm like, Oh, this is great. And then I, I I have that one step and it's like, and you're like, no, but you know, it can be fixed. It can be fixed. Um, Well, one thing I, I will say, and it just, you know, it's, kind of what you're saying about shoes. Like you, you buy great shoes, you buy, you know, whatever you want to call them expensive shoes, quality shoes. And what I've personally learned, um, cause I can be like a snot about products. Like I'm using my mom's language to describe me here, but I can be very much like snooty about stuff. Like I, you know, where I shop or what I do. And, and it's not for the sake of labels. It's for the sake of quality, but sometimes right. quality becomes something very hard to afford because we're looking for so many things. And we're looking for all those things to have quality. So then you're like, oh, well, I have to be rich to live like this. So what I've learned about, you know, myself with the Imperfect Green Guide and the products that my husband and I, I buy for things when we need to, is that it's affordable quality. Yeah. That's like what it is. Like you don't have to be rich and it's such a, it, it's a transition that takes time and it almost takes retrospect as well. Like to look back over your budget instead of look forward into what you're going to spend to start to see that you buy less, but all the things you buy are more quality. And with that quality, you feel fulfilled. Things feel luxury, luxurious things feel, um, you know, you're excited to have them be a part of your life, whether it's just like a throw rug or a shoe or whatever. And when the time comes to repair rather than re- repair or replace, you end up choosing repair because whatever it is you've brought into your life, you're like, oh, I've you really love liked it. that. Yes. I want to keep it. I want to take care of it. 
And, and all of that sort of begins to integrate with the, the way in which you live. It's just a matter of allowing yourself to really understand the concept of less is more. Well, and I have to say, I think that, um, it's just something a lot of us haven't thought about. Cause once oh. you start thinking about it, like my other favorite thing is to figure out a way to do something different than how the world's doing it. So if all these MLMs are like, buy our $60 soap, I'm like, nope. And then I'm searching for it at like what we call a pure superstore or, and I'll find a soap that is like 98% natural. And then I, and has no fragrances added. Cause I'm also really into like my body and our health. And then I put, I buy the foam pumps from Amazon, put one in every bathroom, you know, shake it up with water. It's going further. And then I add my own essential peppermint oil to it. Like, I love it. And it brings me, I feel like I nailed it. I'm like, oh, and I didn't have to spend $70 on some. So like, that's don't believe what the world feeds, feeds you as far as like what you need to spend, be creative and talk to people about it, ask what they're doing. And then if they're not doing good things, don't listen to them. Um, okay. But I just realized I need to let you, um, tell us a bit about what led you to this. Tell us your story. Cause I'm so excited. I'm already like jumping ahead. And then I'm like, no, tell um, us about Jana. Like what made you, what brought you to this point? The point of, um, well, for one, thank you for saying it's stunningly creative because I've always been passionate about helping the planet as I've called it for a long time. Um, and now I call it helping the planet and, and the people because it is, we yeah. are literally all one and I can talk crazy yoga concepts to bring that, you know, idea to fruition. But the truth is our environment includes people. It includes nature. It includes communities. It includes animals. Like our environment is the things that are external from us. And that's truly what I care about. Um, I don't want to even say saving, like preserving maybe because it's still here and, um, you know, healing would be another word I would use, but, um, saving the planet. Yes. It's kind of the ways in which you talk about this, but the planet's okay. It's human beings on the planet that are in a little bit of a situation of peril because of what yes. we do to our environment, because of what we are doing to nature, which mm-hmm. sustains us way more than any of the factories and any of the yeah. businesses and any of the things we believe we're relying on. They're the middleman. Because yeah. when you take away nature where all the, the resources come from anyway, that's, that's when it gets scary for like, what's going to happen to human beings. So I've been caring about this since I, the Exxon Valdez in, I think 1989, um, spilled oil all over, um, the ocean. And I was a little kid and I read about it in National Geographic. And I was just like, what these birds are dying. These turtles can't, you know, get the right kind of water, like whatever the article was covering. Um, and I was just like, relent, like when I was a little kid, I used to ask my parents questions a lot. And most of them were why I was an only child. I was extremely curious. I wanted the answer to everything. So I'm pretty sure for probably a good month of, um, whenever that article came out in Nat Geo, I literally was like, why did it happen? Are the animals okay? What can we do to help? Yeah. And I'm sure my parents were like, I, I don't know. We have to do our things. Like, like we had one of her, but she's like four kids together with all her questions. Yeah. My mom will still like joke about like, Ooh, when do you ever shut up? But she loves me. She loves my mouth too. That's right. 
Um, but I was so passionate, not only about helping what happened, um, as much as you can when I was like eight, I think, um, but also understanding why it happened. And with that understanding, you know, we were talking a little bit about anger earlier. I got so, so angry at human beings. And I, for the longest time, I thought all the humans were at fault. And then I got really into PETA and saving the animals. And I threw out all my mom's makeup one day. I didn't just throw it out like cute. Like my kid throws things in the trash all the time. I like threw it in the garbage can on the day the garbage was going out. So adios. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So, How old were um, you then? 11 she also said 11 was like my worst year so I was probably oh gosh, like rash so about my funny. Idea at 11. um yeah so there was that um I wanted to be a vegetarian in high school my dad squashed that idea by educating me about how we were omnivores now I'm vegan haha ha, dad <laughs> he's he still tells me about omnivores <laughs> um but I had always this concept rolling around in my brain about how humans are just doing things so wrong and so against nature. And I was so for such a very, very long time, like humans against nature, humans against nature. And um, no one really kind of, and nobody was talking about it. I don't think in the eighties and the early nineties about how like, well, humans are a part of nature. So if we're hurting nature, we're also hurting this community or this indigenous tribe or whatever, like, at some point this phase was going to be over for me. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which isn't to say that my parents didn't care about the planet. I mean, we reused things. We had gardens. We loved our life with animals, like all of that. Um, and that's like the sort of train I was on. And, um, I created, I, one year I made my own herb garden because I was going to give everyone herbs for Christmas. Like this is like the the plan I went to my horrible. (laughs) We're annoying, depending. I went to my neighbor and we researched all these things and I tilled a plot in our yard that was okay with my mom. And I I made an herb garden. Um, My, my other neighbor, who's like my little sister, um, the kids who lived across the street were like family and we would go out into the woods and we would like collect all these specimens, like literally animal poop and think we were studying it and learning about things in the stream, which we then learned later was a sewage runoff. So, you know, <laughs> we were kids with this blind appreciation for, for nature could do no wrong. Anything you found out there was great. So that was my childhood, very much nature. I would make presents for people made out of like pussy willows and like a log I found. And I mean, yeah, it was, it was creativity, I suppose. Um, but when I was 14, um, in 1996 and, uh, this is, I I wrote a book. Um, so this is the story of the book. So we won't make it the story of this podcast, but my dad was in a traumatic brain injury or in, wow, he was in a car accident that resulted in a traumatic brain injury. And that flipped our family's life upside down. So anything that I thought was the way it was going to be wasn't. And all of my priorities shifted to truly supporting my mom, figuring out how to live with my dad and just not being an asshole, like just not making life for my parents any more difficult than it was. So kind of everything took a backseat. Um, on that, that adventure of, of being this little green girl. And that became the focus 
um, advocating for people with brain injury, well, first learning about it and learning to live with it um, as a teenager, or perhaps maybe learning to live without it and just doing the best that I could. But skipping through a lot of years, I went to college, I studied abroad, I, I did all kinds of things that in my way were um, success, according to my mom, but me, I was probably running from the situation that I I hated because it was sad and it was hard and brain injury is incredibly a difficult, insidious yeah. experience, whether you have one or you live with someone um, that has a, has a traumatic brain injury. But then when I got to New York City um, and I was in school for journalism, um, I, I guess that would be the, the time in my life where I had to be an adult, right? I couldn't yeah. keep traveling and keep running. So I figured out I liked writing. Um, I figured out I could write this book to tell the story of um, a child with a parent with a traumatic brain injury, which wasn't a book out there yet, so that I could connect with people that were having my experience. Um, What's the book I, called? I what? Can we buy the book? Oh, it's called He Never Liked Cake. He Never Liked Cake. Okay. And the reason it's called that, you will find on page 144. <laughs> I love that, actually. I love not finding out what the title is until, or even like the chapter title till like five pages into the chapter. And you're like, I get oh, really excited. But I'm too. like, that's why that's titled that way. That's why this song has this name. Like, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Naming things is always cool to me. But, um, and I, practice yoga because it, it saved me. Like again, stories for another time, but I, I went into a yoga practice because I was living out my wildest dreams in New York city, like late nights, early mornings, working in, um, women's magazines, but I was miserable on the inside. So thankfully I found a yoga practice, which I went into it thinking like, I need like to get some abs. So I can like look great. like that was like need to burn off some of this frustration and stress. Really sincere and, motives. Okay. Yeah. And I need some abs and well, yoga had a different idea. Um, I did get the abs, but I got so much more. I gained such a deeper understanding for the ways in which our life unfolds and the choices we have to, to roll with it Yeah. Um, or to be pummeled by it. And I just, you know, sort of an epiphany through my yoga teacher training, which I ended up doing um, in New York City. It just came to this moment of like, this was always going to happen to your dad. This was always going to be a part of your life. This is who you are, but it is absolutely not everything. And that opened a lot of doors for me to live in a way that was much more for things rather than against things and to get to understand people more and slowly start to have better relationships with, with men for myself, because I did, I did a lot of avoiding and did, did not love myself for a very long time. Um, but it was this evolution that I started to experience through yoga and it got me to where I was. And I started teaching yoga. I advocated for a traumatic brain injury. I went to conferences, um, across the East coast, I would say the country, but that wouldn't be true, but lots of different places. And I spoke about my book. I wrote a second book about, um, um, helping people with traumatic brain injury by practicing yoga. There's 20 poses for those with TBI, PTSD, wow. and other forms of trauma. And I, I swear this has a point to how I got here today. <laughs> I, um, 
I learned so much about what it meant to meet people where they are and what it meant to, to believe in possibility, because I will definitely say inarguably my dad's injury was the, the, the most difficult thing that's happened to my life. And it is the thing that has shown me the possibility we have because in my warped or wise, I don't really know little brain. Um, I used to think before I wrote my book, before I went to grad school and, you know, went for all of these things that I felt like me beating the odds is that it was such a, like a next to 0% chance that something like that would happen to my dad. And that was like a not good thing. So that means if you flip it upside down, then all these things that seem so wild and so far out there, you know, if a really crappy thing is possible, a really amazing thing is possible. Mm, So anytime when I've been in a space of like, well, the odds of that happening are I'm like, I don't know though, those odds though, totally, (laughs) they can, they can really pull some, you know, stops. And so that's a lot of been my, has been my drive when I get to a place where like, how is this even possible? I'm like, anything's possible. Like don't sell that short. Um, and I did a lot with brain injury. I, I, I taught people with brain injury yoga. That is, um, I worked with my dad. I opened a yoga studio, not for only people with brain injury, but for anyone who wanted to come in Pittsburgh. And I met my husband, I had a child. I, um, somewhere along the line, I started, um, my editing career, which I feel like it's the thing I talk about the least, unless I'm specifically talking about it, but helping people write books, I feel like is, and I'm a developmental editor. So I will work with the beginning of your story as an idea till you get that first draft, till you get that draft that goes to your copy editor. Um, the possibility behind it, working with these people that are like, Oh my gosh, I have no idea how this is going to happen. I'm like, I know, but I love that. Let's just go with it. Let's just go on this crazy wild journey and let's get your message out there. Like you've had this book, you're thinking about it. So yoga teacher, book editor, um, writing. Sometimes I did a lot of freelance writing back in the day for magazines. Um, and I had a, a, a book client, an author who, um, really loved working with her. Um, we learned a lot from one another and one day she just said to me, because I was saying, I'm kind of tired of working with brain injury. And I would tell her about green things. And then as an adult, everyone would kind of know that I cared about the planet. If you knew me, yeah, it's like, if you know me, you know, I love Jimmy Buffett, but these aren't things I would ever advertise. Um, but I was always the one that was like, still like having anxiety about plastic bags and grocery stores and, Mm -hmm got to a point, um, I think it was during my teacher training where I'm like, I'm never drinking out of a plastic bottle again. Okay. Never is an absolute. Those are hard to work with. I very extremely rarely never buy, but drink out of a plastic water bottle, just a thing. And so that's always been sort of coming back into my life when there was space for it. And this client said, you haven't had any room to save the planet because you've been trying to save people with brain injury. And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I don't have to do that anymore. And she's like, the way you talk about it, it's so accessible. Like you don't judge people. You don't do all this. She's like, so why can't you share that? So that planted the seed back in 2020 when it was a wild enough year as it is. And then I just decided like, 
this could be like a total failure, but I'm just going to get on Instagram and I'm just going to share what I do. I'm going to share all the things that I haven't been um, advertising, if you will. Yeah. I don't mean it in that sense, but like I haven't been promoting. I haven't been making a part of my public. You're just living your life and posting about it really. Right. And because one of the things I've realized in a marriage as a mom, um, as a yoga teacher is, is the most powerful way I believe that you can affect change is just by being the change. Yeah. Instead of telling people what to do to make their life different. Um, And I realized that's like a really insane story and I could probably write it better than I could speak it, but I've never experienced something come so far, like full circle in my life than I have this idea of caring about my environment. And it's something that it, it literally took me from like, what, like we'll say nine years old till 39 years old, like 30 years. And I'm back to feeling that passion I felt when I was like, let's save these shorebirds with the Exxon Valdez. And I feel like I have so much more experience and um, motivation and um, pretty much like all the adult things you can add to like some kid's idea of what they want to do. And it just feels really good to come full circle. I think it's really right for you. It's, it's weird because it's been a tumultuous, tumultuous year at best. And by that, I mean, 2021. And when I told people like, I'm going to post something every single day, I have no idea how this is going to go. I have like zero idea. I have a list of 365 things. I remember I shared that with my husband and his best friend back when we lived in Pittsburgh and they're kind of like, okay. Yeah. Like, and to look at that on paper, it's like, where in the world would I fit that in my life? Like, yeah, it seemed absurd. And it's, it's been like, and it's not perfect. And as an editor, I know when there's a mistake in my writing, as a, as someone who knows a, a little bit about social media marketing, I know I could be doing better on Instagram, but I've just decided like, I'm going to put this out there with the capabilities that I have so that it doesn't feel like pressure. It feels like passion. And yeah, it's the easiest thing I do is, is share this each day. And some weeks I'll, I'll be able to like write out the, cause it's a blog and it's also on Instagram. Um, same exact content, just repurposed. Um, and to just be able to, to like share that each day. Sometimes I take a couple hours on a Saturday and write it and then, you know, schedule it to post that's on a good week. Well, I don't mind it. Well, I think, oh, I don't have so many thoughts. One thing I think though, is if you can drone over your life, I always say like drone over your life and like, look at yourself. If you think about the passion for justice that you had, you know, as that really young girl, um, if you, if that hadn't happened to your dad, and I never want this to sound like, um, cause I haven't lost, I haven't had that happen to my dad. I don't understand what that would be like, but I can just only imagine it would be very hard, um, on so many levels, but thinking about how that changed the grace that you give people, it totally did. Cause imagine like, if you think of that passionate little girl, who's like throwing out her mom's makeup and it's just like, this is not acceptable and all these things, but, but then this happened in your life and, 
and you went through the process because I always say you can't go around it. You have to go right through it. And you did because you had no choice. And once, as soon as we all realize we just have to go through everything, it just feels like you just do it. You just take one step every day. But I think that even that, like, imagine this was the perfect green guide and nothing had happened to you and you were full of judgment and you were full of, you know, you couldn't look at the fact that masks, um, you know, cloth masks, not everyone can afford them. You couldn't look at any of those things, but like this thing that, that changed your whole life made you so much more loving and understanding and appreciative. And even it gave you grace to not be perfect because trying to live a perfect life is like a nightmare. And it's not possible. I keep telling my kids, like, it's not possible. So don't try to be perfect. Just do your best. And I think that, you know, that changed those things for you too. And, um, and I think that's like, it's where your life's not happening to you. Mm-hmm. It's happening for you. And, and that has created like a, a much more beautiful Jana than you would have been. Um, as much as I would have loved to have seen that activist, um, you know what I mean? But I think it's, it's created some, someone people want to follow. People want to be led. They don't want to be told what to do. It's Um, so true. And I, we talk about this a lot as, as yoga teachers too, like there's gurus galore out there, but you're your only guru. The rest of us can be guides. We can be friends. We can open doors and show paths, but I'm not you know, I, I, you can't, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't yeah. force them to drink, but yet we still keep forcing drinks on people. Yeah. And I find that there isn't very much empowerment in that. Agreed. So when I'm telling someone how to do something and their motivation is to be right or to meet a goal, um, that fades really fast and it doesn't necessarily build any momentum to keep that motivation for something else to, you know, be green, um, in their life. And I find that if you invite in curiosity and imperfection and trial and error, and just like loads of understanding, then that motivation becomes more intrinsic and it becomes more interesting for that person to start to think like, oh, well, if I could, you know, whatever it is, take two minute showers. I don't take two minute showers, by the way. I try to. So instead I like <laughs> shower every three days and somehow think the math works out. But that's the thing. We're not here to like be the, the, the most environmentally friendly we absolutely can be because that's not how we got here. Yeah. Like we didn't get here with an absolute. So we're not going to, to, move away or shift this paradigm with a bunch of absolutes. Yeah. And I think a great example um, is, you know, reducing our waste, right? So you're like, oh, I really want to fit my, you know, garbage in a mason jar each month. Oh, wow. Rock and roll if you can do that. <laughs> like, that's fantastic. But I would much, and, and keep doing it. Like, don't stop doing it. It's kind of a goal of mine. But what becomes more approachable for many people is to look at what you're doing and, and choose what you believe you're capable of. So if you've got like six bags of garbage, because you're a family of five or whatever, then maybe you say, okay, next month, I'm going to see if we can get five bags of garbage and maybe more bags of recycling. So if you don't integrate these ideas with the life that you're living, 
it becomes so impossible. And if you also don't integrate these ideas with what you enjoy about living your life. So even like yesterday, sometimes I just share these posts that are like, literally go walk in the rain. Like, Oh, I loved it by the way. (laughs) It's just like, we can't forget to enjoy this. Mm -hmm. Like it isn't the big fix. It can't just be about fixing because if all you do is you feel like you're fixing, there's so little return on that investment in the long run. It has to be this, this fulfillment. Um, I, for a really long time, like believed that I didn't have to pick up anyone else's trash because I didn't throw it in the first place. That was, that was my imperfection. Right. And just this past year, I was like, get over yourself, go on a walk on your, your beach that you now live by and pick up masks, pick up straws, pick up all kinds of things. And I was actually fulfilled doing that. Like as silly as that sounds, I was like, oh my gosh, like this feels good to do this one little thing, but no one could have forced me to do that. I had to get curious enough to be like, why, why am I above this? So the more we can ask ourselves questions, I've never talked about this on a podcast before. To me, being imperfectly green is just talking so much about life, talking about you know, our, our human nature to consume, but what that really does for us, that's empty. Yeah. Well, and I have, I've been picking up garbage for years. Um, I used to live in the province besides, I'm in British Columbia and I used to live in Alberta and in Alberta, we had garbage cans everywhere. It was awesome. So like if I picked up something running, I wouldn't be running for very long before. Cause sometimes it's like a sticky slurpy cup and you're like, like it's gross. And I would just, I mean, I don't put my hands in my mouth when I run. So that means I'm fine. So I would, I would run to the next little garbage and put it in. Well, now I live in like literally the most beautiful place. I feel like in Canada, um, an Island off of Vancouver on the West coast. And I feel like we have less tact. We have less money. Like our province, I feel like has less money. I'm sure someone listening is like, that's false. I don't know, but we have way less garbages. We have less streetlights. We have less garbage cans. So if I'm going to take something now, I literally have to like, I don't mind doing this. I always feel like people with all their cameras on their houses are probably weirded out, but I have to go to the, almost like their backyard and put it in their garbage can because Otherwise I'll be carrying it forever, which annoys me. Don't get me started on how we need more garbage cans. Right. And so it's become more annoying. And so that I can get super judgy, like who dropped this? Like if I see someone throw garbage out the car window, like I'm going to follow you. Like I, I, I won't, but in my heart, I want to follow you, pull over and yell at you for what you just did. But that's, that's not a helpful way for me to think or live. So I started thinking, I started imagining a mom whose toddler throws the, a granola bar wrapper out of the side of the, the stroller, because Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of times, like when someone's dropped a mask, they're totally unaware they dropped it. And it's, it's helped me to be like, I drop things accidentally and, or, you know, you put your hands in your pocket and something flies out from Lord knows when that was in there. And so I think that's really helped me, but switching topics and going over to the theme of enough and consumerism, I, I really wanted that theme for this episode because it's, it literally can go into every area of our lives. And I, you know, I kind of wrote down and said, when is enough? How do we, um, retrain ourselves to see enough versus an attitude of consumption. 
you know, because I think like it's everything, it's fast fashion, it's all these. And I definitely, um, that is not an area I've even worked because I looked at some of these clothing companies that are not, you know, um, making little kids knit them in India and things like that. And I hated all the clothes. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to wear a, a potato sack, but knowing that it's, it's trendy to more just consume, but there's something so satisfying out of like what you said, getting what you need and it's all areas of our life. And so I wanted to talk about choosing need over want and how long, you know, you've seen this, this way for a long time, but what are your thoughts on that? Fast food, fast fashion, easy buttons. Oh, That's how the world lives and I hate all of it. So we're just starting to record now, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, for one, I don't, I don't know when it was put in our brains, maybe the industrial revolution. Um, but consumption is not what we need or want. We believe that because we live with products and we live with even experiences that we consume, um, offerings from companies that we consume. I mean, really the only thing we need to consume is food and we're consuming a lot of that anyway, you know, to excess, but it's not that we don't need to fill up with something. I just think that consumption is where we got it wrong. What we're seeking as human beings is fulfillment and connection and fulfillment and connection is not going to pay the bills of the major companies that have us shopping all the time. That's just the truth of it. And that's the hardest perhaps part. And the conversation that I get into a lot is, you know, what can an individual actually do? Because it's companies that are, that have us in this situation. And that's true, right? Like it feels very, very daunting. Well, we have a lot of power in how we spend our dollar because we do for the most part live in a capitalist society. I can't speak for everyone who might hear this, but most of us. And our dollar is the most powerful thing we have. So where you spend your dollar is where you're choosing to support the way in which you want the world to be. And that same little girl throwing out makeup also had a very warped um, notion of need versus want. I loved to shop. I still love to shop. Um, I would talk to my mom and I would be like, no, 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 I need it. She's like, you want it. Mm-hmm. No, I need it. She's like, you have seven bathing suits. You don't need another bathing suit. Yeah. But I, no, I need one for the summer. So I was very like, it was such a, um, a hardwired connection to, to feel that owning something meant being something. Yeah. And that, yeah, it validated that is, you. Totally. And we identify with objects. We identify with what we own. So when we can start to identify with different things, when we can start to identify with how we feel, not how we feel as a result of what we own, but how we feel when you say, go for a walk in the rain. On our own. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Naked and And, afraid or naked and alone. Who are you? Yeah, it's so true. And when we start to identify with the connections we create, the connections with other people, the connections with nature, slowly, 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 all of that need to purchase starts to fade away. And trends are hard. 
I mean, you want to be like on the pulse of something. You want to be that person who's connected with the ways in which the world is being seen right now, be it fashion, be it gadgets, be it what you're getting your kid, um, how you're, how you're setting up your kitchen, like whatever it is. And, and that's the challenge we're working against. Well, not really working against we, we are being asked to become aware of and acknowledge the ways in which as consumers, we are like, we're like in a car that's being driven for us by marketing, by companies, by all of that. And if we can just step out of the car for a second and just say, oh, well, what actually makes me feel good? Yeah. I know that when I, and I, I, I did, I, I bought crap on my lunch break all the time in New York city because it was just like, what, what I, like, I just was looking to fill something. So I went to H and M and bought a bunch of shirts to go out at night. Um, we all did it. And those shirts maybe saw the light of day like twice or something like that. And I wasn't really looking to feel good about shirts. I just wanted to like go out at night and feel good about myself. Um, Lipstick would have taken me further than like the shirts that I kept buying. And it's not that we're, it's, that's the other thing I want to get across. We're not wrong in the ways in which we're consuming and we're buying. We're just misled. Yes, totally. Like we're not horrible human beings. No. We're just we're just now acknowledging that we could change and with that change you will likely be healthier. You will feel better like emotionally. Um you might connect with other people on deeper levels. Um and you might be able to just sit with yourself. And I know that for 2020 um that, that was a task for many of us is, is everything was stripped away. You couldn't go and do things. You couldn't go and buy things. You didn't feel safe living in the way that you were so used to living. And the way that was safe was to stay at home and be quiet and be still and be in this place of contemplation. And holy crap, that was itchy and uncomfortable and suffocating. And like, you just wanted to get back to normal. And that's something with you know, living with a dad with traumatic brain injuries, I was practiced at knowing what it was like not to be able to go back to normal. And perhaps maybe this is where this was also born from this idea that maybe let's not go back. Maybe this is, this is, this is a pivot we can all make to understand what it really is to live, what it really is to feel connected, to feel fulfilled, to feel healthy, to feel, you know, as though, our actions have a positive impact and that, you know, just shop less. I know that sounds like so ridiculous, right? But we all have the power to just shop less, not don't shop ever again. Don't ever buy yourself a new pair of jeans. Don't ever go to target again. Just do a little bit less of what you're doing now and see how that feels. Well, and usually it feels good. Yeah. Because I think so, there are so many lies. And if like, and it's so interesting too, because yoga and stillness and all of that go, as soon as you're in that place, everything is stripped away. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like, if we always avoid that, where our lives are full of noise and full of marketing and full of like being on your phone and all those things. But as soon as, like you said, like yesterday with your um, headstand, 
handstand headstand in the rain, which I was like, I can't do one of those. It drives me nuts. And everyone has the coolest posts with like headstands. That post was like from four years ago. Oh, (laughs) I didn't know that, but it's such a cool picture. Um, I love it too, but, and yeah, it's a, it's a very good picture, but I think like, um, because of where we live now, I wanted to live somewhere where, where I lived lit me up every day you know, and I, I, I've been from the freezing cold prairie where you don't just have woods to go into all the time. And you have to like, tr- you have to hashtag love where you live. Cause you're almost trying to convince yourself or try, you're trying to love it. And you're trying to, um, you know, not complain about the weather and stuff like that. But I def, so I definitely know that like where I am now, it's easy to love, you know, being outside all year round and that stuff. But I definitely think that the more you strip all that stuff away, it takes away those desires and it, it shows you also a really intentional, you just naturally gravitate towards not consuming. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think, I think it's really interesting when you stop consuming, you know, how you start to see things differently. And I, I also, it's so interesting. I'm like, there, I'm, I feel like a little bit obsessed with the industrial revolution because I oh, said yesterday yes. to somebody, we were never meant to get up at five 30 and go to bed at 11 o'clock at night. Like we are not meant for this. And we were talking sort of about, um, anxiety, like people having to be medicated for that, um, anxiety and depression and all these things. And I said, like the way the world has shifted is so unhealthy. And like a hundred years later, it's come so far, you know, for us and, um, just how like our bodies aren't meant to sustain that. Like we need more quiet, more sleep, less of everything, but the industrial revolution like took that from us. Well, and that, um, just as we were chatting earlier about the, the post about light pollution, that probably is the post that I personally am most fascinated by because light the, the dawn of light literally shifted everything, shifted everything in nature, shifted everything in um, our circadian rhythms, which were meant to be a certain way with the rise and setting, setting of the sun. Yeah. And ever since that point, we've been introducing ourselves as humans to more artificial things. And the artificial things don't fulfill us in the ways that nature does. So just in what you were talking about just now, you can look at light pollution. Like you don't think like, oh, light is going to do me wrong, but it is shifting our bodily systems. And it has been for years in ways we don't know. And why bother acknowledging? It doesn't even make sense. We're not like eating light, but light first shifts nature. So all these nocturnal creatures you know, that shifts that ecosystem, shifts our ecosystem. And then we've created a world in which we don't need to power down. And that's almost scary because powering down is so healthy. I mean, it's the reason that every yoga class ends in a Shavasana. Yeah. Like we need to rejuvenate. And, you know, since we've moved into our new home, our new home, we've very made it much a point um, to not have cell phones in our bedroom, which sometimes when I say those things like, Oh, I don't have a phone in my room. And you know, I don't buy wrapping paper. I'm such a drag, right? Like what is wrong with me? I must have the most limiting life. But the more I limit these things, like, Oh my gosh, the better it feels like it was so like 
FOMO, like, oh, I'm missing a text, something's going to happen, but it just sits on a shelf outside of our room. I have a sunrise alarm clock, which I absolutely love, and I sleep better. I should get a sunrise alarm clock. That's a good idea because I put all my stuff in airplane mode, but I like the thought of having it. There's a difference because I did the same thing, but there's this wild difference. Granted, my clock is a Bluetooth device, but you know, that's the thing. There's imperfection to all of this, right? Like my kid is in a breaking things phase. It's really, I saw his baby jail yesterday and I burst out (gasps) laughing. You were both in jail together. And I was like, this is, (laughs) um, he, he, there's something about him that he loves the discovery of dismantling something, of throwing something, of seeing it crash, of seeing it spill. You know, there's a, there's a limit we'll reach with that, but there's currently on my dining room table, uh, the chair that I had as a little girl that I never bothered throwing or ramming against a wall that is now broken. A paddle duck that I had as a little girl that is uh, now without its, its feet. Um, <laughs> a dish. So funny. Um, his sunglasses. And I thought about like all the eco-friendly glues that yeah. I could go and buy. And I had a moment when I was like, dude, relax. You're, you're literally gluing pieces of things together. So you don't have to buy new things. Like it's okay to buy Elmer's. It's okay to buy this chemical laden glue because that's how adhesives work. So yeah, Even just myself. I'm not like, this isn't a hundred percent deal. So like, yeah, I want electronics out of my room, but I have a Bluetooth alarm clock. Yes. I'm all about no chemicals, but I bought Elmer's because I have to fix six things and I know that that'll work. So we have to give ourselves so much grace. Um, I think the thing that helps me get a grip on purchasing as we'll call it yeah, is anytime I'm told or meant to feel like I need something, you probably don't need it. Yeah. If you sit with it, it's almost like sitting with your anger, sleep on it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like that, um, you know, sitting with it. And then you're like, I don't need it. Like my, my husband laughs. Cause if we go to a store and we're trying stuff on and he's like, how do you feel? I'm like, I love it, but I'm not in love with it. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, so what does that mean? I'm like, it means I'm not buying it. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll have something like there's very few items, but that we have the store called mountain equipment co-op. And it was like, you know, your, your outdoor adventure kind of store. And they had a puffy vest that was $120 when I was like 15. And I still wish I've had it and I've never had it. And now the store is shut down. It doesn't even exist anymore. And I'm like, I just still wish I'd had that. That's something I should have bought because I yep. probably was like meant to have the puffy vest. When I was 15, I left a really great jean skirt in North Carolina. I still think about it. Isn't that funny? But I think it like... was Rock and Republic back in the day. Oh, which... I bet. I And I, but that, that's what's really interesting about need and want. And I'm now just realizing it in this conversation we're having right now. We've shifted need to be such a, an important word and such a telling word. And yet now when we feel we need something or we're told we need something, maybe we question that. Yeah. Those things that we want, like that pair of jeans that you're like, no, it's kind of expensive. And do I really like, maybe that's okay. Maybe it's actually okay to understand what you want and what you're told you need. Ooh, I like that. I totally agree. Completely flipping the meaning of those words, like upside down. But the idea is, are you doing it for you? Like, yeah. And we do so many things to 
to, you know, we, we, we buy things to belong and there's nothing on earth you can buy that makes you actually belong. No, it's all, it's all false, right? It's all smoke and mirrors. But with that being said, what are your five top priorities when it comes to making the world a better place, a cleaner place, a healthier place, a better place? Um, what are my top five priorities? Uh, well, I think connecting with nature and that comes like any way that you can, any way that I can. Um, I realized that my connection with nature is going to the ocean more yeah. than it is going for a hike. Both okay. are great, but like go with what like lights you up, like go with that. Um, my family and the friends that I consider like my family, um, because staying connected with them, you know, it keeps me real. Um, it keeps me learning. Um, sometimes they challenge me. Sometimes they encourage me. Uh, I think both of those things are really necessary in life. Um, yoga, (laughs) It, it feels like a given for me, but it has saved me time and time and time again to just get to my mat and to get to my mat. I'm learning more than like more frequently to get to my mat just by myself. Um, which is a scary place to be sometimes. And it's where, oh my gosh, I cry. I throw little fits. I like hate, like hate the the practice of yoga sometimes with the fire of a thousand suns. But if I can show up with all of those emotions Mm -hmm. to that rubber rectangle, um, that is in service to myself. Um, I think that's three. I would say self-study. Be curious about yourself. Allow yourself Mm -hmm. to change. Allow yourself to be imperfect. Um, Allow yourself to have new dreams. Like you don't have to hang on to something and go for a goal that you've had since you were 20. If it doesn't, if, if it's not like feeling a part of who you are right now. Totally. Um, which can be a little bit unnerving, like, oh my gosh, I have loved that for so long. What's wrong with me? What happened? Um, self-study will keep you in the present and it will keep you like living now. Yeah. Um, and I mean, being one with our environment in, you know, maybe I, I should change that and saying being a steward of our environment because there's a path out of all of this. Like there's a path out of, out of all of the, the dis-ease in the world. Um, all of the sort of emptiness, the not enoughness we feel, um, the anger that's out there. And I really think that path is, is connecting with nature and connecting with each other. And a lot of that is about getting rid of all the stuff we have so much stuff the industrial revolution brought us so much stuff and yeah we don't need all the stuff no and I think I think even of um I love to like study people and look at the past generations and I think about you know the one bedroom house where very much uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory you know everyone's in like one bed and I think of that and then I think about how you know, those houses from like the, the thirties and forties where it had like 
a whole bunch of little rooms because they were so desperate to get some separation, but they still didn't have a lot of square footage. Right. And then, then it went to in the nineties, like big, big sprawling homes, right. That no one needs that much space. And all it allowed us to do was like escape each other a little bit more, you know, and then that created open concept homes because then all of a sudden we're like, we probably should be together. Like we are a family. So then it became open concept homes and, you know, it's just like stuff, stuff just changes so much over time. But when you look back at the basics, you know, you go back a hundred years, you're like, our basic fundamentals were still the same connecting with people and loving each other. And that's what matters, you know, and I definitely agree with connecting with nature. And I think I spent a lot of time living in a place where I complained all the time and even getting out of that, that zone, that, um, time zone almost of complaining Mm -hmm. literally has changed my life. No, can everyone just leave and move from where they are? No. No. But like what I recognized was, is how much more nature I needed in my life. And when I lived in um, Alberta, I would drive like 20 minutes to go to a river valley to walk or run stairs because it was like the only time I felt like I was in the woods. And um, I live right, like right two minutes from the ocean. But I think for me, it's literally the woods. And like, I never understand what that is where they say everyone has like a core thing. Like you said, yours is water. Um, and I'm, I, I can't decide if mine is earth or water, but I definitely agree. Like they, they fill you up in a way that you don't have words for. You can't What's explain your astrological sign. Taurus. It's earth probably. Okay. Cause yeah, definitely. I'm I definitely love the woods. It's like my mm-hmm. favorite thing. And I always feel like, have you seen Moana? <laughs> yeah. I always feel like the woods. Cause I get, I literally get lost and we have like cougars and raccoons and owls and I'm lost. If I can get lost at least once a weekend, I'm very happy about it. But I always say, like, I told someone the other day, they were asking for directions in the woods. I'm like, don't worry. It'll just spit you out on like a random street. And you'll be like, what? Cause there's like, it's these woods at the top of the mountain in our town. And there's town on every side of the woods, but mm. it's, it's like, you're in like the thick of it. And you know, there's like a million cougars in there, but then all of a sudden it spits you out. And I feel like Moana, she's never drowning. She just gets spit out because the ocean's like her friend. Right. Yeah. And I always feel like that about the woods. The woods are my friend. Watch. You'll be like, nice lady in Nanaimo dies of. No. <laughs> well, and so my husband is a, as a tourist and I shouldn't have been like that, like, no, that's what you are. But I don't know. I kind of think astrology knows what's up in some respects. And, uh, he just, wants to be like bare feet on the ground yeah hands in the dirt like that's that's like what his place is and um I'm like the second I like see I don't care what outfit I'm wearing I've been known to go in the ocean like oh I'm chasing my dog so my entire dress is just wet and in my head I'm like it's good my dog's here for the excuse Um, yeah or just there's something about just getting my feet in the water that just makes the world okay So like, you know, we don't want to always look outside of ourselves to figure out what makes our world okay, especially, you know, yoga itself, like, you know, your soul, all of that. But I find that we can look to nature and see like what makes our world okay. And many of us don't even know yet because our lives, like where we live, don't necessarily give you the opportunity to, to, to be curious about that. Yeah. And if you've never connected with say getting lost in the woods or putting your feet in like a freezing cold ocean, 
the first time you do it, you're like, Ooh, I don't like that. It's uncomfortable. But like uncomfortable isn't always bad. All the best things are uncomfortable at first, right? My favorite thing this whole pandemic has been like to look at the whales and be like, they have no idea there was a pandemic. We always joke like with our kids, they're like, they're not socially distanced at all. I'm like, yeah, like it's, it's so, it's so freeing to, to look at them and you're like, they've been here. And, and they're just doing their thing and we can just do our thing, but everything seems so complicated, um, for humans. Right. Um, what, well, first of all, do you see the power? Are you starting to see the power in your everyday influence? If I don't look at social media metrics, yes. Cause I'm just like, oh man, it's such a little baby account. What a dinky account, but the engagement and the number of messages I get and the number of conversations I've had in this year about, oh my gosh, anything from, um, like how to recycle shoes to cloth diapers to, uh, all, you know, green products that we find. And, and that's a tricky one, right? Even in the, in the imperfectly green industries, we'll call it products are pushed. Yeah. You need this. You won't be green if you don't have this. Well, chances are, yeah, there's a lot of swaps we can make, but like make sure that swap isn't a swap you're making. So you can just continue to buy that new eco-friendly bamboo, whatever product. Um, Conversations I've had about intersectional environmentalism, conversations I've had about, you know, is is are these little things we're doing as one human being working? Um, oh my gosh, those those are so impactful. I've learned so much. I hope that the people having them with me and with each mm-hmm. other, which is why I created um, stewards to help me share this, um, because I believe that I'm sharing what I do in a certain way because I'm me. But these seven other women get to share what they're doing in their lives to be imper- imperfectly green because they're them. And, and that, that only multiplies what we're doing because what I really think when I started this and, you know, it's my dream to somehow have my account, have a million followers. And I don't want the a million followers because then a million people are paying attention to what I do. I want a million followers because it means a million people are, are maybe trying one thing. different. I agree. And that is so much more powerful than one person doing everything green they could possibly do. What our world needs right now is more people taking smaller actions. Yeah. Even if it's a million people never buying a plastic water bottle again. Yeah. Or a million people saying, I'm going to always bring my bag to the grocery store. Um, That's where the power is. And that's underneath it all. Like that's what I believe this can do or someone can do to just let this permeate through you know social media we all kind of turn to it these days but but just into our lives and and that's you know that's what I hope for um it's probably what nine-year-old me would have hoped for and and try to let the rest go because honestly um I could look at this podcast and think it's all pointless well it's like your your birthday podcast I listened to that and I was laughing and crying. So oh, I'm so glad in you sharing that I was like, oh, this is, this is the connection. This is the world just needs this. And I really think that imperfection is so much a part of what we need right now to make change because people, you know, if, if you're trying to help someone live a, a greener lifestyle, then like applaud what they're doing instead of tell them what they should do more of. 
my first job out of grad school was uh, working for, get this, National Geographic's teeny tiny online publication called The Green Guide. That's so cool. And I loved it. I was, I got paid well. It was this dinky, like first floor of a building that was a block away from my apartment. And oh God, the computers are ancient now that I think about it. But my job was to do editorial product reviews for green products. So I learned everything I could possibly learn about biodiversity and it wasn't all products but it was that was kind of it but I I got to my like first thing I ever published after grad school was um 10 tips for biodiversity on earth day and I think nine or 2000 and I don't know six maybe seven seven probably um and I was so proud of it I was just like oh I was like just like this is what I'm doing this is what I can do and and um and I worked there for almost a year and one day my boss who they liked me as far as I can say, I, I did make mistakes. It was like some top level reporting of like calling companies, figuring out what products are made of and, you know, all of this. And, and they called me and they're like, took me to Starbucks and fired me <gasps> because I wasn't enough of a scientist. And I remember saying to them, well, I know, but you didn't hire me to be a scientist. You hired me to be a writer. And they're like, well, we need more scientists. We need this to be. And I just, Aww. I was like, okay, dream job, just kind of, you know, you're not going to work for National Geographic, which I thought I, you know, that was like a dream when I was a kid to be a photographer there. Um, And I was a little bit hardened for it because I didn't feel smart enough. Just like when I went to college, I wanted to have a, my um, degree in environmental science and in my weather and climate class, which I was so jazzed about, my professor was like, yeah, your math skills aren't good enough for this. So I became a Spanish major (laughs) and and those like experiences were just like, man, these, these kind of green people are kind of mean. Like, I'm just trying here. Right. I don't ever want to be that person. I don't want to be that person that's like, well, you're not enough. You're not smart enough. You're not green enough. You're not eco-conscious enough. Um, you don't care enough because we're all starting from somewhere. Everyone needs to go over to check out the Imperfect Green Guide and follow and just read the posts. You have me. You keep making me cry about this thing that I love doing. But you have me pulled in and I just think you're meant to do it. And it's my job to affirm people. I'm not complimenting you. I'm telling you what I feel in my heart you need to hear because you are one multifaceted woman just making the world a better place every day. And it's just, it's just the truth. And so um, I know that people can um, fill out a stewardship application. And so I would encourage people if they're they, if they really want to make some changes to go along with people because it's so fun to connect. Jana, just such a joy. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and being vulnerable with us today. It was, it was awesome. This has been amazing. It's been filled with so much truth. And that's like my guiding light is just knowing our truth. And like you just saying like how much, you know, yours is just helping people share their stories and fueling their passions is it's just all so interconnected And if we can live from that interconnected place, like all the possibilities are out there. Hey. 
Hey, More Jody listeners. First of all, thank you for spending your time with me today and being here. I love what I am doing. I can't believe how much fun I'm having sharing these stories with you guys. So please like, subscribe, rate, review, share this podcast with one of your friends that you think really needs to hear it. And don't hesitate to send me a message and let me know what you'd like to hear more of on this podcast. Have an awesome day and choose to make the world a better place. Thank you.